Well, hey, uh, super pumped uh, to be wrapping up our uh, dating series. Thank you, Next. Have y'all not enjoyed uh, this conversations that we've had? I personally have. Uh, it's hard not to have fun when you talk about dating and relationships and sex and all that good stuff. And so, yeah, we talked about sex last week, so if you missed it, that's your bad. Um, you can check it out on our podcast, though. Uh, you definitely uh, want to catch up if you weren't getting a chance to be here last week. Uh, but I'm excited uh, to wrap up uh, the series tonight. Hopefully, it's been helpful. Hopefully, it's been inspiring. Um, and hopefully, it's been a little bit hopeful as well. Uh, I got to be in a room that enjoys traveling. Any travelers in the room? You love going on airplanes? Like, it's a thing that you just love to do? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody terrified? Like, worst thing ever getting on an airplane? Worst thing ever? Okay, three of you. We can work on this. Y'all, y'all shouldn't be excited about it. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, I love traveling. Uh, part of it, I mean, I've been on airplanes for a long time. I got families in Israel, so I mean, I've been on airplanes my whole life. Um, but I love traveling. Um, there's like the, the awesome parts of travel and the stressful parts of travel. Um, I love being on the physical airplane. There's something about being on an airplane that's fun to me. I love eating airplane food. I don't know why. Like, I just love, the stewardess coming and ask me, you know, for a chicken or noodles. I always go protein, right? I'm trying to live it up on the airplane. And something about getting a hot meal 30,000 feet up in the air and a piece of metal that is black magic that it's flying. I don't understand how. Something about that is fun. I always get a Coke Zero because I feel like it. And I'm watching my movies and it's just awesome. I love it. I don't know why I love airplane food. It's not even that good, but I just love it. You know, I love being in the airplane. Um, uh, airplane bathrooms, they're kind of cool. I don't hate them. I really don't. Um, the toilet doesn't even scare me anymore when I flush it. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Um, I just like it. Um, but, but there are some stressful parts of traveling. Um, I get uh, a panic attack every time I have to book a flight. I'm double checking the date. Anyone have that fear like I'm gonna book the wrong date and then I'm in trouble and I wasted all this money. I mean, I, I'm not exaggerating. When I book flights, this is so stupid. I will, I will get to the confirmation like purchase now and then I'll start over <laughs> to make sure I did the date right. I'll do it three or four times. It drives my wife crazy. Um, and so that's kind of stressful, you know, but, but eventually um, it's nice to be able to, to to do that. Um, and then packing. I, I'm, I don't know, like if I could pay someone to do things in my life, one of the things I would pay them for is to pack for me. I don't know about you. Packing is stressful. Like looking at it, I'm very OCD about it. Like I think me and Marie Kondo would be really good friends when it related to packing. If you don't know what that is, you need to catch up on your life. Netflix, hello. Um, anyways, I love packing. I love getting everything organized. Like it's a puzzle, but I hate thinking about what I have to pack. It's stressful. Um, I don't want to forget anything, you know? I, I don't, I don't want to make sure um, I don't leave anything out. And so because of that, it leads me to overpack. Not because I need all the things that I'm packing now, but I just want to make sure that I don't forget anything. And then that puts me really, really dangerously close to being over the 50-pound limit. Anybody ever got to the check-in counter, checking your bag, and you're nervous? You're like, oh, gosh, all right, because they have no mercy. The people at the check-in counters are not Jesus followers. They do not, no grace, zero, like one pound, uh-uh. Jesus didn't go to the cross for that. You need to get down to 50, homie. Like they don't care at all. Um, and I am the guy, I don't know if you've ever been the guy. I used to judge the guy or the girl that did this, that is right there scrambling right in front of the thing, trying to take stuff out of his bag, stuff it in his or her carry-on or switch things up. Ever, ever judge that person? Yeah, I did until I became that person. Happened to me a year and a half ago. Julie and I were driving, not driving, flying back from Tampa after being on a cruise. And we did Spirit. Stupid, stupid decision. I don't know why I did that. So dumb. If you ever flown Spirit, Oh, I remember when I discovered Spirit. I was in seminary, graduate school, thought, oh, this is gonna be the great, it's so cheap. 
That airline, my gosh. I don't know if I've ever felt more unsafe. My, my first time on Spirit Air, I'm not kidding. Remember how in elementary school and middle school on the bus, you could write on the back of the seat with an eraser and it would show up. You know what I'm talking about? Yes? Well, I'm not kidding. On my Spirit Airline, the first flight, I'm sitting down, I'm in the aisle seat, and on the back of the two seats, it says, this plane is a hot mess. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Hopefully it flies, uh, you know? Like you're not even sitting in a chair, you're sitting on metal covered with a little bit of leather. You know, like that's what you're sitting on. But so we were flying Spirit home and they're really stingy about like marking you up on everything. And so their weight limit isn't 50. I didn't know this, their weight limit is 40. So I packed for 50. So I put it up there and it's 47 pounds. And she's like, oh, that'll be an extra $50. I'm like, I'm sorry, who? <laughs> and she's like, it's, it's, it's a 40 weight limit. I was like, no, it's not, it's 50. And she, and she points to the sign. I'm like, this is unbelievable. So my wife's like, it's fine, just pay it. I'm like, girl, you crazy. So I, I pull the, the suitcase off and I lay right down on the floor and the lady's like, sir, could you please step aside? I was like, uh-uh, you're gonna sit here and watch me do this, homie. I'm gonna get this down to 40. And so I open the suitcase and I'm just going to town. My wife is so embarrassed. She's just like, oh my gosh, seven pounds. What's he gonna take out? What's he gonna take out? I am stuffing stuff in my carry-on. My carry-on is probably too big to be a carry-on at this point. I'm moving stuff around, but then I take a bunch of stuff. I zip it up and I look at her and I'm like, 40. I'm like, what's up now, girl? Yeah, you know? Um, I was that person. And I don't care. But, but what's great about checking your bag is, can you imagine, can you imagine um, having to go through the airport and traveling with that luggage? No, the, the great thing, although it's stressful to get there for me personally, once you check your bag, you don't have to worry about it anymore. Like once you check your bag, you've taken care of it, you've done the hard work to get it ready and it's all set. Then you check it and it's gone. It gets magically to your final destination unless you have really, really bad luck. But you check your bag and you don't have to worry about it anymore. It's convenient. It's awesome. You don't have to lug it around. You just get to walk freely and do your thing until you get to where you're trying to go, checking your bags. Tonight, as we wrap up um, our dating series, the more and more I thought about it, the more and more convinced I became that I wanted to do a message about checking your baggage. Um, if, if I were to title this message, um, I would title this message, Checking Your Bags, Checking Your Baggage. Tonight, I want to inspire you to check your baggage. Um, and maybe even for some of you to begin to take steps towards checking your baggage. Now by baggage, I don't mean that the TLR is about to start like this partnership with Delta, you can get free check bags for the rest of your life, okay? That'd be cool, because they charge you for it, hate them. Uh, but I mean, not like real baggage, I mean past baggage. Like when I say baggage, and you know exactly what I mean, when I say baggage, I mean like the things in your past that you just can't seem to escape. When I say baggage, I mean all of that junk that happened to you when you were younger. I mean all that junk that happened to you your freshman year. When I say baggage, I mean pain and hurt from past experiences. I mean that relationship that really did you in. I mean that one time with your dad or with your mom or that experience with your family that really impacted you negatively. When I mean baggage, um, I mean all of the things that have happened in your past. Some things that you can control and some things that you cannot control. And baggage is not a positive word. When we say, yeah, I've got baggage, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. You know, like it's not, uh, baggage isn't a positive thing. No, it's actually uh, a, a negative thing. We don't want baggage, but we have it. 
We have it. In fact, um, baggage being negative, uh, it basically just also, the reason why it's negative is because it means that we have issues. Anybody in the house have issues tonight? Just me? Okay. Yeah, what's up, everybody? Okay, yeah, look around. We're all human. Baggage means that we have issues. So if I could even define baggage for us tonight, I would say this, that baggage baggage is current issues, current issues caused by past experiences, events, or environments. It's, 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 current issues that you and I have in our own lives that we are dealing with. It's the things that make you crazy. It's the things that you have to work through being who you are caused by past experiences, events, or environments, experiences, um, choices that you made, moral choices that you made, um, things that you did that you are not proud of, yeah, events, breakups that you went through, traumatic experiences that you went through your family, maybe uh, your parents getting divorced or when you moved away or when you had this moment with a friend in the eighth grade, and then environments, the environment that you grew up in, the family dynamic that you grew up in, what it was like being at your house, the school that you grew up in, even the church that you grew up going to. All of that culminates into our baggage. See, um, it does not matter who you are. It does not matter what you believe, whether you believe in God or don't believe in God. It doesn't matter if you have been single your entire life. It doesn't matter if you've been in five relationships over the past year or if you've been in one relationship over the past five years. It doesn't matter who you are or where you fall on the spectrum in any or all of that. The one thing that puts all of us on the same playing field is that we all have baggage. But here's the problem. We don't know how to deal with it. In fact, for some of us, we've never even thought to deal with it. Because when it comes to baggage, we tend to manage it in a really, really unhealthy way. Um, for some of us, when it comes to our baggage and, and, and the things that we've experienced in our past, the, the pain and the regret and the hurt, for some of us, we just tend to ignore it. I'm just gonna pretend like it's not there. I'm just gonna act like it's not there. I'm just gonna stuff and forget, stuff and forget, stuff and forget. I'm gonna stuff it all in and I'm gonna shut everybody else out. I'm just gonna ignore it and act like it never happened. Act like he never said it. Act like we never went through that. I'm just gonna ignore it. Uh, for others of you, you might try to minimize it. I'm just gonna act like it's not a big deal. I'm gonna laugh it off. Um, that you went through some kind of experience, you went through something that does affect you, but you're just gonna try to trick yourself into thinking that it does not affect you. Um, you're sarcastic about it. If anybody brings it up or asks questions about it, you just kind of play it off and act like it's not that big of a deal. Maybe if I can keep it out of sight, keep it out of mind, eventually it'll just get out of my life. We minimize it. Um, for others of us, um, we, try, we just accept it. And I don't mean a positive acceptance. I mean um, an unhealthy acceptance that, you know what, this happened to me, there's nothing I can do about it, so I'm just gonna let this define who I am. That I am just, my, that everyone has baggage, and I guess this is just mine, and there's nothing that I can ever do about it. The hurt, the pain is just gonna be a part of my life. I've just got to deal with it. I've just gotta keep moving. I've just got to figure it out, and we accept it. And then some of us, even, um, we medicate it. That, that we, we can't ignore it, it's too big to ignore uh, it's, it's, it's way too big to minimize. Um, I can't just accept it. I don't want to accept it. And so we medicate. You do anything to make you feel just a little bit better so you can forget about the baggage. Uh, maybe you do um, shopping. You medicate it by shopping. You order way too much on Amazon Prime because you're, you're medicating. And we can, we can laugh, but there's something about buying things and spending money that actually sometimes makes us feel better. So maybe we medicate by shopping. Um, maybe you medicate by staying busy. And so you're just busy all the time, saying yes, filling up your calendar so you don't have time to think about it. You might medicating it by exercise. 
I mean, that sounds like, is that a bad thing? No, but you can become obsessed with anything and it can become unhealthy. For some of us, it can become real unhealthy. You even start to medicate it with other relationships, even relationships that you don't need to be in. You've got baggage from relationships and now you're just going to more relationships to not feel the baggage from other relationships. That sounds like a recipe for disaster. Uh, For some of us, maybe even you begin to medicate it with alcohol, partying, and sex, that we would do anything that just might make us feel just a little bit better so we can forget about the baggage. Here's the problem. When we ignore it and and minimize it and when we medicate it and when we um, just choose to accept it, here's the problem. What we are in that moment deciding to do is to not check it to not deal with it and to not process through it. And the reason why that is not helpful is because when our baggage goes unchecked and when our baggage goes unprocessed and undealt with, here's what baggage does at that point. It follows you everywhere you go. And if it follows you everywhere you go, here's what logically follows. It will follow you into every single relationship you will ever find yourself in. See, um, baggage, baggage is a result of something in the past, but the very nature of baggage is this, it does not stay there. No, no, the very nature of baggage is that it happened in the past, it occurred in the past, but it will always find its way into your present and it will always find its way into your future. And I can't think of many more things that baggage will affect negatively more than any and all of your relationships, especially a future marriage, which I would imagine so many of you in the room hope to be true of you one day. That, that your baggage will suffocate and poison relationships. In fact, that what makes relationships so difficult is that people come into the relationship with a lot of baggage. In fact, for some of you, the reason why your relationships didn't work out The reason why dating didn't work out the way you wanted it to or that relationship ended that you thought had so much promise was because you guys came in with baggage and you just thought it was a compatibility issue. You thought the problem was the other person, that it just didn't work out, but really it was baggage that was undealt with. You had two unhealthy people coming into a relationship and no wonder it didn't work out. In fact, I'm convinced that so many marriages, it's sad how many marriages fail in our country. I'm convinced that a big reason why is because we just think if I can just find the right person, then it'll fix all my problems. If I can just find the right person, if I can find the perfect guy, if I can just find the perfect girl, then everything will be okay, and I just gotta get to that person, and it'll fix everything. But then ultimately what you have is just two unhealthy people coming into a relationship, coming into dating, coming into marriage with a bunch of baggage that's been ignored, minimized, accepted, and medicated, and it turns into a disaster. See, I want you to imagine it this way. Um, You step into dating somebody, um, it's not just you. Now you show up, you know, it's Saturday night, you're with your girl. You're like, hey, my name's Sam. Cool, what's that? Oh, this, nothing, just a bad breakup. It's no big deal. It's, just, I'll, it's fine, I'll just put it in the back seat. It's all good. And then, and then she's like, oh, hey, Sam, my name is Jennifer. And, 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 and you're like, uh, what's that? And she's like, oh, th- this is nothing. This is just some daddy issues. It's all good. Like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna leave this. I'm gonna leave this right here. It's fine. You got room in the back seat. You got a Tahoe. We'll be all, we'll be all good. <laughs> but, but, but then you get on a couple more dates and, and you start getting a little bit more serious and you start hearing more. And then all of a sudden, um, the guy is showing up and he's like, hey, Jennifer, I'm ready, ready to six month anniversary. What's that? Oh, <laughs> This is nothing. I just 
got some things that I've been dealing with, some sin that I've been struggling with, a couple of addictions. No big deal. Seriously, I'm just, I'm just going to, seriously, it's fine. We got room. I actually got a bigger car. I got Escalade. We're going to be fine. Um, I'm just going to. And then, and then Jennifer's like, oh my gosh, hey, yeah, like, um, don't forget about my Vera, Bradley, um, just wanted to tell you, Vera Bradley, um, hey, I'm ready, uh, what's, what's that, oh, this, oh gosh, <laughs> this is nothing, just don't like the way that I look in the mirror, but I mean, really, it's fine, it's really no big deal, we're all good, this will fit in the Escalade, right, oh, you got one of those things in the top, for that we can put in the top, on the roof, perfect, yeah, plenty of room. And then the guy's like, oh, yeah, well, one more thing. Yeah, what's that? I don't know. It's just a problem. Yeah. Just, I don't know. Something. something, Something's wrong. I don't even know what's in it, but yeah. And what we do is um, we leave it unchecked. We leave it ignored, and, and we try to minimize it. But what we are ultimately doing, and this this looks ridiculous and is really funny to look at and laugh at, but this is what happens. We are bringing our baggage into any and every relationship that you will ever have. And here's why I want to talk about this tonight. is because baggage, baggage, unchecked baggage doesn't make you a bad person. But unchecked baggage makes you really bad at relationships. It doesn't make you a bad person. It's human. We've all got baggage that we've got to deal with and work through. It does not make you a bad person, but it makes you really bad at relationships. And I need you to hear me loud and clear. I want you to be great at relationships. I want you to be good at relationships. And I want you to have healthy relationships. And if baggage goes unchecked, it's going to be really, really hard to do that. So tonight, for our remaining time together, I want to talk about three ways that unchecked baggage manifests in our life and what we can do about it and what God has to say about it. Because um, what I believe is some of these three ways that, that, that baggage manifests in our lives, it's going to poison and suffocate any of your future relationships. It's going to lead you to be an unhealthy version of yourself, which is going to make it really, really hard to have a healthy relationship. And so I want you to check these three bags that we're going to talk about tonight at the door, or at least begin the process. And the first way um, that our baggage tends to manifest itself um, in your life and in my life is this, shame. Shame. Um, we all know, we all have felt shame and experienced shame. It is that um, heavy, almost tangibly painful feeling that we're not good enough. It's this tangible, painful feeling where we are so afraid of being rejected if people actually knew what was really on the inside. Um, it's this fear that we have that we are no longer lovable because of what is true about us. Fearing rejection. That when we think about shame, for some of you, you might have a past riddled with a lot of mistakes. For some of you, you you, you might think that you've got um, a lot of moral decisions that did not go your way, and if you can have them back, you would, but you did some things wrong. There were some relationships that ended because you acted poorly and unwisely. Maybe there was a relationship that ended because you cheated and you're carrying the shame. Uh, Maybe you treated him poorly or you treated her poorly. Uh, For some of you, um, what this might look like is you've got some kind of secret that you've been harboring for a really, really long time, and you're terrified to tell somebody about it. 
because you are afraid of what they might think. And so you're carrying the secret. Maybe you're carrying the secret habit. Maybe you've got the substance addiction or an addiction to pornography and you don't want anybody to know about it. No, but it's just this baggage and you're just carrying this shame around with you into every relationship. Maybe it's something from your childhood. Maybe it's you letting somebody down and you've never been able to live it down. See, um, it's not always true that this is the case, but shame sometimes, and maybe oftentimes you could say, is connected to the things that we do that lead us to regret. Um, there's a book called Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. I could not recommend it more. If you're looking for a next book to read, go read it, Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. She, she, um, she uh, gives us a helpful distinction between guilt and shame, which gives us insight into shame, and this is what she said, that guilt says, I did bad. Shame says I am bad. Guilt, yeah, I did bad. I did some things that I shouldn't have done. I definitely could have done better. I did that. Um, but shame, it goes beyond just the external of what I did and it points it inward and said the reason why you did is because you are bad. See, guilt is helpful. Guilt kind of functions like conviction because it can actually lead to positive outcomes in your life. It can lead to course corrections in your life. But shame, on the other hand, leads to an unhealthy low view of yourself that you are undeserving of love. And actually, researchers have shown that um, it actually correlates to destructive behavior like aggression and depression and violence and even substance abuse and eating disorders. Shame leads you and I to a really, really dark place. And when you think about bringing shame into the context of a relationship, it's really, really hard to do life with somebody when you're carrying shame because you're always gonna keep them at arm's distance because you don't want them to get too close and see something that they might reject you for. That when you're carrying shame, it's really, really hard to be fully honest and fully open and even to be fully yourself because you don't want anybody to see yourself because you're terrified of rejection. Um, that if shame, if you're bringing shame into a relationship, it's really hard to be vulnerable. In fact, it's impossible to be vulnerable if you're carrying and harboring shame because you don't want anybody to see the real you. Can you imagine doing life with somebody when you are afraid to be you? You're afraid constantly walking on eggshells of being rejected. You're not gonna be the real you. You're going to be the fake you. You're gonna put out a front. And there's no way that healthy relationships can thrive whenever shame is driving the conversation, whenever, dra whenever shame is driving your decision making, whenever shame is driving how you act in that relationship. In fact, marriage, marriage was meant to be this beautiful picture that reflects who God is, where you can be fully and completely known and still loved and accepted anyway. Shame keeps you from wanting to be fully known because you don't believe that you'll be fully accepted. But what I want you to hear tonight is something that the apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter eight, verse one. He writes to you and he writes to me that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That there is no condemnation. In other words, that when God looks down at you, he does not, for those of you who surrendered your life to Jesus, he does not look down at you with disapproving eyes because of what you did. No, no, in Christ Jesus, there is grace. In Christ Jesus, there is forgiveness. In fact, I would say it this way, that in Christ, there is grace that forgives you freely and restores you completely. That in Christ, in Christ, you wanna check this bag, you wanna get past this shame and not bring it into the restoration, you gotta believe with all your heart that in Christ there is grace that forgives you freely and restores you completely. That shame does not have to lead the way. Shame does not have to have the final word in your life or in mine. That we need to rest in the confidence 
of the grace of God. And the confidence that Jesus' work on the cross was enough to forgive you of your sins so that when God looks at you, he does not look at your baggage, your past, and the things that you've done that you're ashamed of. No, no, when he looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus because that is what is written on your heart whenever we give our life to Jesus. So I want you to hear me loud and clear tonight that I don't care what the baggage looks like, that you are not too broken for Jesus, you are not too dirty for Jesus, and there is a God that fully knows you and completely loves you and sent Jesus for you while you were at your worst. In fact, the beauty of the gospel is that we are bad. The beauty of the gospel is that apart from Jesus, we are messed up. We're worse off than we could ever imagine. Paul says we're dead in our sin, but because of Jesus, we are brought to life, that we are made alive, and that is why the old becomes new. So Paul says there is no condemnation. So I want you to check that bag of shame, and I want you to remember the grace of God tonight. And just a quick side note, because I've actually had conversations with students about this. If you're in a relationship with somebody, and you've, you've had a past, and you've got some shame, and you've checked that shame, and you're working through that, and Jesus is restoring and working in the broken parts of your heart and your life, and the person that you're in a relationship with can't handle all the things that used to be true of you, yeah, you need to bounce and quit, because that's not your problem, that's his or hers. Because in Jesus, there's no condemnation. The second way that, that baggage tends to manifest itself in our lives is this, bitterness. Whew, it's a big one. Oh, man, I need the whole series for this talk. Bitterness. That we, 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 we look at our past, we look at our baggage, and we see, we see moments where we are angry at people for the way that they've wronged us, angry for the way that they hurt us, angry for the things that they put us through, angry for the things that they said to us, angry that they cheated, angry that they, they betrayed our trust. It might be a relationship. It might be a friend that you trusted with everything and they walked out on you. It might be a person that always said they were gonna be there and they weren't there. It might be a parent that never showed up. It might be a parent that never spoke in love. You might be harboring anger and bitterness because your parents ended up getting divorced and they did not fight for each other and you never forgave them for that. That we can all look back at our lives and our baggage and see the things that would create bitterness in our hearts because we are angry with the choices that people made to us or against us or for our family. Here's the thing about bitterness though. It's really, really hard to get better when you're bitter. It's really, really hard to get healthier when you are harboring Bitterness, because here's what bitterness does. Bitterness tethers you to your past. Bitterness literally traps you in your past. You remember that game, Tetherball? Um, it got big because of Napoleon Dynamite. You know, I don't even know how to explain this game in Napoleon Dynamite, hello. Um, but it's like this metal pole, it sounds stupid, and there's a kickball connected to it with like a big old rope, and you just kind of hit it hit it around the pole and the other person has to hit it back. You know, I don't even know how to explain the stupid game, but it's actually kind of fun. So you can go Google it. But, but um, that's what bitterness is like. That we are tethered to something and we're just going, we're not making any progress. We're not moving forward. We're just going in a really, really unhealthy circle. Bitterness tethers you to the past and it tethers you to the mistakes of other people. And bitterness keeps you from being able to move forward. Bitterness keeps you from being able to make progress in your life. 
Bitterness is a thing that make, keeps you from being able to take steps towards your healthiest self and your best self. It's why the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, when, when he talked about what you and I's response should be, this is what he wrote in Ephesians chapter four. He said this. He said in Ephesians chapter four, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as the Lord in Christ, just as Christ in God forgave you. I can't read. Just as in Christ God forgave you. That you wanna work through your bitterness, the pathway is through forgiveness. You wanna stop being tethered to the past, the pathway is through forgiveness. What Paul is saying, if you really understand the gospel and what you've been forgiven from, then your only response to anyone that hurt you is to extend forgiveness to them. I had a seminary professor say that the worst sin that you could commit is to withhold the forgiveness that God through Christ gave you from somebody else. Because when you withhold forgiveness, here's what you are saying. You are minimizing the forgiveness that God gave to you. Because if we're gonna withhold the forgiveness from other people, then we fail to understand the crazy amount of forgiveness that God extended to us in our deepest, darkest sin. You're failing to understand how lost you were before the grace of God when we're withholding forgiveness from some else. So not only is forgiveness a beautiful reflection of the gospel that we're called to be, but also forgiveness frees you from the past. I'd say, to say it this way, that bitterness holds you back. Forgiveness frees you forward. Bitterness holds you back. It tethers you to the past, but forgiveness frees you forward. I've, I've heard, I've, I've read that forgiveness often does more for you than it does for the person that you are forgiving. It frees you. Isn't it so true that some of the people that we are holding bitterness against, they're living their life. They're doing their own thing. They're not even thinking about you, yet you're the one being held back because you're allowing yourself to be tethered to the things that they did to you and the mistakes that they made. No, no, forgiveness frees you forward. And I know, I get it. Sometimes bitterness just feels better. I get that. I don't know, there's something in us that sometimes it just feels better, but at what cost? Because when you think about bitterness, bringing that into a relationship, I mean, come on, when we fail to learn how to forgive people that we don't even talk to anymore, what do you think our default response is gonna be to the people that we're seeing face to face? We've been taught and we've been practicing that bitterness is what you do, so who's to say we're gonna extend the forgiveness to the person we're dating now or later? One of the best things that you can do for marriage is to learn how to forgive because there is no such thing as someone that's never going to wrong you or hurt you. Ask my wife. I love her so much and I try so hard, but I don't always get it right. I don't. Nobody does because relationships are hard. Relationships are risky. Relationships are messy. But there has to be forgiveness. Uh, if, if bitterness is coming into the relationship, if that's our default, What's gonna happen is we're gonna be projecting onto people the frustrations that we have with past people. That you're in a relationship or you're in a marriage, if you haven't dealt with that bitterness, you're gonna be frustrated with them and it has nothing to do with him or her. It has everything to do with what you experienced with people in your past because you've tethered yourself. That bitter people tend to be set off and get angry at little things. Not because that little thing deserved that anger, but because what you're actually responding to is something in your past. 
that bitter people often have disproportionate reactions to things in their present. They have disproportionate reactions to things that happen in their present. Why? Because what you're ultimately reacting to is not what he said or what she said. No, it set off something in you that was triggered by something he said or she said five years ago, last year, 10 years ago. So you wanna free yourself forward? Forgive. You wanna reflect the gospel that saved you? Forgive. And just a quick note about forgiveness. I know Christians... I think we fail to understand this sometimes, and I don't mean this harshly, but this is a reality. You can forgive somebody and free yourself from them and extend grace to them, but you don't ever have to trust them again. It's real. You can forgive them and genuinely forgive them in your heart, but take time to rebuild that relationship. That's life, and that's how relationships work. In fact, there are some of you in the room tonight, you need to hear me loud and clear, that you can forgive someone that you were in that relationship with, but that relationship was so unhealthy, you need to forgive them, but you just never need to see them again. That, that, that it was so unhealthy and it was so bad for you, you can forgive them, but you never need to see her again. You never need to see him again. That does not make you unchristian. No, no, forgive them, but that makes you really, really wise. But we're called to extend forgiveness. So I want you to check the bag of bitterness, and I want you to extend forgiveness. And the last way that baggage tends to um, manifest itself in our lives is this, insecurity. Insecurity, that's a big one. Insecurity, being unsure of yourself, failing to have confidence in yourself, that maybe growing up you were constantly compared to somebody else. You were constantly compared to your brother or your sister by your parents and you felt like you never measured up. Uh, maybe you had a parent um, that was absent. Maybe you had a dad that never told you that he loved you and so you grew up thinking that you were unlovable. Maybe for some of you, you were defined by a label. You were defined by something someone said to you and it stuck and you started to believe that it was actually true about you. You actually started to believe that that was your identity just because they spoke it into existence, just because you've heard it so many times. Um, for some of you, um, because um, you, you've always tried to measure up, anytime a relationship fails, you think it's your fault, you think you did something wrong, and so you've actually started to believe that there's actually something wrong for you and you'll never be able to experience a healthy, thriving relationship. For some of you, you grew up with a performance-driven mentality that you, were, um, you believed your worth and your value was based on how well you performed. So now every failure leaves you thinking and believing that you are not enough, not worthy of love, and not valuable enough for anything significant in this world. It's tiring to feel like you never measure up. Maybe for some of you, you grew up in a broken home, maybe a divorced home, and that's become your identity to the degree that you're convinced you have no chance at a healthy marriage. This has been a huge thing for me, insecurity. This is one that I deal with the most of the three that we talked about. Um, I love my dad with all of my heart and him and I have an amazing relationship now. He's my biggest fan. And actually just a little while ago, we had a cool conversation where he apologized about a bunch of this stuff. Um, but growing up, growing up, my only goal, just like most sons was to make their dad proud. Um, but my dad pushed us to be the best and to always make A's. Um, and for me, I grew up with this performance-driven mentality that in order for me to make people proud, I had to perform. That you wanna talk about baggage that I had? Um, I remember the first B that I ever got. And the reason I remember it, fifth grade grammar class with Miss Dean. 
And the reason I remember it was because I was terrified to tell my dad because I wanted him to be proud of me. Because in my mind, I didn't make all A's, I didn't measure up, and so I did not perform, therefore I wasn't going to get approval. That I always had to be the best. And you wanna talk about baggage, I, my default is to slip back into this even now. That if I'm not careful, if I'm not constantly checking my heart and checking my bags, even though me and my dad are good, even though he's even apologized for all that, like we're straight, but it is still a part of me if I'm not careful. In fact, I can just, if I'm being totally transparent and honest with you guys, that if I'm not checking this insecurity in my own heart, it's easy for me to believe that I'm just as good as my last sermon. That I'm just as good. And if it was a B minus night at the living room, then I'm B minus until next Wednesday when I can redeem it and hopefully get an A so I can feel better about myself. If I'm not careful, I slip back into that. That if I'm not careful, I slip into believing that my worth and my value is directly connected to how good of a boss I am. That when I fail any of the people that make this place happen here at the living room, if I fail any of them, if I'm a bad leader, then that means I am a bad person. I grew up with this performance-driven mentality. And I'm telling you, it even finds its way into my relationship with Julie if I'm not careful. All of a sudden, um, when Julie tries to give me advice on how I can be a better husband, I take that as a shot by her saying, I'm not good enough. I shut down. I get angry. I get frustrated. And all she did was tell me how I could be better, which I need to hear every single day. And when I bring that insecurity into my marriage, when I allow that to be there, you know what else happens? I look for Julie to fill a void in my heart that she was never meant to fill. I look for her words and validation to fill a thing in my heart that they will never be able to fill. See, when you bring insecurity, when you allow that to manifest itself and you carry that into your relationships, you're gonna be looking for validation from people that are never gonna be able to give you enough. You're gonna do anything for that person just to feel loved. You'll say yes to anything just to feel loved. You'll be in a relationship that you don't even need to be in just to feel loved. And if you carry and let insecurity manifest in your life, if you are single and not in a relationship, guess what? You're gonna think that you are, that there's something wrong with you. The healthiest relationships in your healthiest marriage is gonna be when there are two people who know where their true worth and value actually come from. And it has nothing to do with the other person. You need to hear me loud and clear tonight that the ultimate gift that God could give you is not a boyfriend or a girlfriend. The ultimate gift that God could give you is not a spouse. It's an awesome one, but it's not the ultimate. The ultimate gift that God could give you, he already gave you and it was Jesus on the cross. I don't know if you're seeing a trend here, but the answer to every single one of these is in some form or fashion, Jesus, hello. That your value and your worth is not defined by anything you might've failed at or anything that anybody else said. No, no, your value and your worth is at an all-time high because of what Jesus did for you. First Peter, he, the apostle Peter writes it this way. He says, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed, Redeemed means to be rescued, to be ransomed from, to be purchased. That it wasn't with silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you. In other words, the sin, our sinful life, the life separated from God. No, no, no. We were bought, we were bought with the precious blood of Christ. 
that, that you and I were rescued from this empty way of life that led to death, this empty way of life that led to regret, this empty way of life that separated us from God, and we were bought from that life, not with something perishable, not with money, with something way more valuable. We were bought with the life of Jesus. And here's why that is so significant. Because the value of something is what someone is willing to pay. You guys remember, there was a big sporting event that happened here in Atlanta a little while ago. You guys remember what it was? Super Bowl, that's right. Somebody else said the MLS Cup. Anyone got to go to the Super Bowl by the, any chance? Anyone went to the Super Bowl? Anybody? Yeah, okay. Really? That's cool. I got to go. I'm kidding. I'm a pastor. There's no way I got to go. Um, the only way pastors go to Super Bowl is if they know people, like rich people that go to their church. I guess I don't know any of them yet. Um, but, uh, but I had a friend that got to go. And um, he knew someone who worked in the Rams organization. And so he got a nosebleed 300 section upper deck ticket, which was kind of cool. And this ticket here, it says on there, the face value is $900, $900 for this ticket, nosebleeds. Like you couldn't even throw a football onto the field nosebleeds. Like if you spit, it would evaporate before it got down there, nosebleeds, 900 bucks. You know how many months of Netflix you can get for $900? It's crazy. 900 bucks. Was it even crazier? This nosebleed section ticket on StubHub was going for $4,000. You know what that means? Somebody might have arbitrarily wrote $900 on here because they just thought that what it was worth, but the true value of this ticket wasn't 900. The true value of this ticket was $4,000. Why? Because that is what somebody was willing to pay for it. Students, you need to hear me tonight that God paid for you with his son. So your value and your worth isn't some arbitrary thing that someone said to you. It's not some failure that you went through. It's not some insecurity that keeps creeping back in. No, no, your value and your worth and your significance is at an all-time high because God sent Jesus to die for you. That we can find confidence knowing that in spite of our sin, he sent him because he loved you. It wasn't anything you had to earn for God so loved the world. So baggage manifests in these ways. I'm sure more, but these are the three that we had time for tonight. Shame, bitterness, and insecurity. And I don't want you taking any of that into your next relationship. In fact, this whole thank you next idea, thank you Ariana Grande, um, but thank you next, um, it's not a good thing. We didn't name the series that because it was a good way to look at relationship. We actually named the series that because it was a bad way to look at relationships. Thank you next is, okay, thank you, now I'm on to the next one. Thank you, you didn't really give me anything, so I'm on to the next one. It's all about me, I'm just going to keep going, 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 going. No, no, we need to stop thank you next, and for some of us, it needs to be thank you stop for a season. For some of you, it needs to be thank you process. It needs to be thank you, I'm gonna not date for a year. Thank you, I'm gonna break up. Thank you, I'm gonna go to counseling. (laughs) Um, But thank you, I'm just gonna stop. I'm not gonna go on to the next until I figure my stuff out. So what might it look like as we close here? How do I want you to deal with your baggage? 
checking your shame and your bitterness and your insecurity? Well, three ways, real quick. The first, I want you to deal with it in counseling. I want you to deal with it in community and I want you to deal with it in Christ. I want you to deal with it in counseling. I'm serious. You don't need to be jacked up to go to counseling. You need to be a normal human to go to counseling. Um, I need to go to counseling. I'm a relatively healthy human being. I've got my mess ups. But counseling would help anybody. I'm telling you, oh my goodness, if I could wish for anything for all you in the room, I'm getting jacked up about this, is if all of you went to counseling before you graduated college. And guess what? Woodstock City wants to help you do that. We can get you hooked up with counselors. We have a care ministry that'll help you get hooked up with counselors. I'm telling you, there's something amazing about a professional helping you work through your baggage, helping you find the source of your baggage and of your pain and of your hurt. I'm telling you, man, I want you to deal with this. I want you to do it in counseling. I also want you to deal with your baggage in community. Don't try to do it alone. You can't do it alone. You need people in your corner. You need people to point you to truth. You need people to remind you what's true and you need people to challenge you. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, sometimes we are not going to hear it from God until we hear it through the mouth of another person. I said this during our God's Will series, other than the word of God, which doesn't even count because that's not fair, I'm convinced that God speaks to us more through people in our lives than any other way. And sometimes you're not gonna believe that God actually thinks that about you until somebody else you love and trust tells you. So I want you to deal with it in community. And then lastly, I want you to deal with it in Christ. Every single thing that we talked about tonight is built on the foundation that Jesus came, he died, and he rose for you. Everything we talked about tonight, every answer to the baggage that traps us, to the baggage that poisons our relationships is directly connected to what Jesus did for us on the cross and the freedom and the fullness of life that he bought for us. So I want you to renew your mind to the truth about who Jesus is in your life and for your life. And then there might be some of you in the room tonight where you've never, surrendered your life to Jesus. That it's not a foundation that you've built your life on ever because you've never taken a step towards putting your faith in Jesus. Now for so long you've been lugging all this baggage around, this hurt, this pain, and you've, you've known that something was missing and you weren't quite sure what it was and maybe you weren't here tonight on accident. Maybe you finally showed up as it wasn't an accident. Or maybe you've been here for the fifth time and it's not an accident that you've plugged in. Maybe it's not just for the free food anymore, although that's great and I hope you keep coming back for it. We'll keep bringing it. But maybe for the first time tonight, something clicked. Maybe for the first time you're seeing Jesus in a brand new way. The Jesus that died on the cross for your sins and then he rose from the grave three days later so that whoever would put their faith in him, sin and death would no longer have the final say. That on this side of heaven, we'd be able to experience not a perfect life, but a full life. And eventually spend eternity with God in heaven after this life was over. So if you're in the room tonight, and this is not something you want to be true of you, but you haven't built your life on the foundation of the only one that can help you through it, Jesus. I wanna give you an opportunity tonight to surrender your life to Jesus. I wanna give you an opportunity tonight to put your faith in Jesus, maybe for the first time. And if you've already done it before, you don't have to wonder if it worked. I promise it did, okay? But if you've never done it before, I'm about to lead you in a prayer. And I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. Um, the prayer doesn't save you. It's not magic. The prayer is just a way to help you verbalize what God is already doing in your heart. 
So I'm just gonna ask you guys just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you're in the room tonight and you've never put your faith in Jesus, I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I confess that I am a sinner in desperate need of a savior. I put my faith in your work on the cross, believing it is enough to save me. I want to surrender my life to Jesus and commit to following him as best as I can. I'm gonna keep all heads down and eyes closed. If that was you tonight, would you just look up at me and give me just a raise of your hand? I'd love to see you. Yeah, I see you. That's awesome. Yeah, I see you. I see you. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, let me see you. That's fantastic. I see you. That's awesome. I see you. So I'm going to keep our heads down and our eyes closed. Um, here's, here's what I'm going to ask in just a second. Um, there were some people that put their faith in Jesus here tonight, which is a pretty unbelievable idea. And I don't know about you, but whenever really great things happen in my family, um, we like to celebrate. So in just a second, I, I'm, I'm gonna ask you to have 20 seconds, five seconds, seven seconds of courage. And we would love to celebrate with you tonight. So you guys can look up at me real quick. If you would be so bold, I know this is crazy, I get it, but just humor me, just humor me. If you would be so bold to let this family here at the living room celebrate with you and clap with you and yell for you, not at you for the fact that you just gave your life to Jesus for the first time. If you would be so bold to give us the honor, the absolute honor of celebrating with you, would you just stand up right where you are? I know this is terrifying, but if you would just give us the honor to celebrate with you and to clap with you and to holler at you and maybe even to hug your neck if they are sitting beside you, don't be awkward if it's a girl and you're a guy. Um, would you just be willing right where you are to stand up so we can clap? I'm gonna keep asking until one of y'all do it because I know you can. I know you will. Yeah, there we go. There's one. There's two. Let's go. I see you over there. Come on, baby. Come on. Where are you at? I saw that hand go up. My man in the back. Let's go. Let's go. That's awesome. That's awesome. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And if you raise your hand and didn't stand up, that's okay. It still worked. We still love you. And it's still the greatest thing that you've ever done. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, if that was you tonight, man, we'd love to connect with you tonight. We'd love to talk to you tonight. We'll be here on the front. Some of our staff will be here up front. If you have some questions, you wanna pass. If you're in a small group, I want you to talk to your small group leader about that. We love you. We wanna do life with you. And I'm telling you, students, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, give this to Jesus and let him work in your heart. I'm gonna pray for us. And then Molly's gonna come out here and she's gonna sing a song. But we don't want you to stand up and sing to this song. We just want you to sit back and reflect to this song. Uh, we want you to read the words of this song. And whatever you need in this moment to let God speak to your heart, I want you to take in this moment over the next song and let these words just wash over you. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we are so grateful for what you are doing in our midst. We're so grateful for what you're doing here at the living room and in the hearts of these students. We are so grateful that you are bringing people to faith, that hearts are changing, lives are changing, and I pray that never gets old. And Father, I pray you would give us the courage to battle the baggage. I pray you would give us the courage to check the baggage. 
And I pray that as we do, you would renew our mind to truth. You would renew our mind to what you say about us and what you think about us and that we would believe with all of our hearts that the fact you came to rescue us says more about our value and our worth than anything or anyone ever could. We love you. And it's in the matchless name of Jesus that we pray, amen.